Good morning. Today is Sunday, September 6th, 2020. One of the most difficult questions for a believing Jew is the question of tzaddik varalo. How can there be a righteous person who suffers? The question of undeserved suffering has been analyzed by scholars throughout the history of Judaism and, of course, beyond just Judaism. And if we look at our classic sources in the Talmud, for example, our sages give us various answers to this question. And it is clear to me that no answer is meant to be a comprehensive answer that will cover all situations under all circumstances. No answer is provided with certainty. Rather, in these answers, there are rather suggestions of what might be possibly true in a given circumstance. The bottom line is that God has set up this world so we do not have that answer. We do not have an answer for the problem of undeserved suffering. It is not given to us. It is simply not available to us. So while the question is valid, ruminating on it is not helpful because in this world, we're not going to find an answer. What is helpful, if it happens to you or to me, is the insight of Rabbi Samson of Hirsch, which I've shared with you before. And there are many other scholars that make this point, but this is just a very concise way of putting it from Rav Hirsch, based on the famous Pesach in Tehillim. In Tehillim and Psalms, the famous, the famous verse states, Keli, Keli, Lama Azavtani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lama Azavtani, why have you forsaken me? So, Rabbi Shamshul Fol Hirsch understands the word lama, which means why. He understands it, the word why, lama, is spelled lamed, mem, hey, with the vowels that form the word lama, which means why. Rav Hirsch reads it with the same letters, but by changing the vowels to lama, lama, same vowels, same, same letters, different vowels, lama, which means for what purpose? The question that we should ask is, now that this terrible thing has happened to me, and it appears to be undeserved, how should I respond? What should my task be now? How am I supposed to grow from this? Those are questions we can answer for ourselves, and that is what our response to tragedy 
that occurs to us should be. That should be our focus. And when tragedy befalls someone else, God forbid, we are required to withhold any answers about why because we really do not have them. And I realize that there are some people, including some high-profile rabbis with large Facebook followings, who do offer such answers, answers with certainty. It doesn't matter how many Facebook followers they have, and it doesn't matter how long their beard is, they should not do that. The Talmud tells us we are not to do that because they don't know. We don't know. God has not created a world in which that information is available to us. But rather, when tragedy befalls someone else, God forbid, our only response to the suffering of another is support, empathy, a hug, real or virtual, literal or metaphoric, we should offer, to borrow a phrase from a different tradition, the ministry of presence. Be present, be available, be sensitive, and be supportive. However, there is a different lens. This is the lens of the individual. But there is a different lens. There is a lens not of the individual who is suffering, God forbid. But there's a different lens, the lens of history. Without any speck of callousness or indifference, and certainly not too anyone who is suffering or when one is suffering, but within the context of studying the arc of history, there are truths that emerge. Even if we don't apply them in any immediate or individual context, but the truths are there. Rabbi Beryl Wine is a master of Jewish history, not only in knowing it and in teaching it, but especially in being able to use the lens of history to derive truths. Rabbi Wine was recently interviewed for an article in Jewish Action, which is the publication of the OU, the Orthodox Union. And the subject of the article was a lessons from Jewish history on resilience and rebuilding. And the article focused on the aftermath of the Holocaust. The title of the article, Life After the Holocaust, How They Rebuilt. Though clearly, his insights apply directly to our situation today. The situation, of course, is very different. What we're going through with this pandemic is certainly very different in many ways from the Holocaust. But at the same time, there are certain common underlying 
historical lessons to be learned. Let me share this with you briefly. Rabbi Wein insists that a time of tragedy in history, history teaches us the importance of the lesson of resilience. Resilience is the ability to accept defeat and tragedy, to see beyond the present, and to persevere with belief and a vision for the future. In order to be resilient, you must believe in Jewish eternity. You must be able to believe in a world you haven't seen. You must believe that things will get better. If not for me, then for my grandchildren. This is a very difficult level to reach because we tend to live in the present. And we may never, on an individual level, level, live to see a positive outcome. But this idea of resilience is so important. When you have that mindset, you are living not only in the presence, but with an awareness of the entire span of Jewish history. And Rabbi Wein says this cannot be taught. It's not part of any curriculum. Rather, children learn from the way their parents react to difficulties and disappointments. A child who has never dealt with disappointment won't do very well in this world. And finally, the comments that connect with yesterday's Torah portion and I was reading this yesterday and it struck me very deeply the truth of what he expresses. Rabbi Wein writes, the key to a more joyous life is having lowered material expectations along with great spiritual expectations. Lowering our material expectations, our financial expectations, reduces frustration, sadness, and depression, which in turn makes us much more resilient. He talks about people who plan every year for Pesach. They go to Hawaii or some other uh, exotic location. So this year you can't go to Hawaii, so everybody's upset. But if your expectation for Pesach is that you should be able to have a piece of matzah and to drink four cups of wine, then you will never feel disappointed as long as you have a piece of matzah and four cups of wine. It adds to the joy that we're able to have in life. And now listen carefully to the lesson from yesterday's Parsha. In yesterday's parsha, the Torah predicts that God will send us into exile. We read the long, painful, difficult passage in yesterday's parsha of Kisavo. One of the cardinal questions asked is, why did God send the Jewish nation into exile? 
And we of all people ask this. We are the ones who were sent. We are the ones who have been suffering for 2,000 years. And not only exile, but I would add all of the other persecutions that that passage mentions. That we will be persecuted and hunted and terrorized. Why is all this happening to us? Why does God do this to us? And it's not just that it happens. God tells us it is going to happen in yesterday's Parsha. The answer is startling. And I ask you to open your heart to hear it. The answer is because without the exile, we would not have survived as a nation. Exile hardened us and gave us the wherewithal to survive as an eternal nation. Now again, we should never confuse the lens of history, which is what this is, and mistakenly apply it to someone who is suffering. That is wrong. But at the same time, we, especially now, should find some calm space to examine the lessons of history and to be able to apply it to what we are going through. To think of what we are gaining in strength, in hardening, in flexibility, in resilience, and to absorb the lessons that Jewish history has to teach us. Because without these lessons, we would not have survived and we will not survive. Friends, I wish you all a great day, and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.